Welcome to the CEC Report for the 30th of August 2019. I'm Elisa Barwick and joining me today is CEC Research Director Robert Barwick. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Elisa. And on today's show, stopping cash ban is a fight to save Australia from global wealth grab. And Iran plotters want another regime change bloodbath and Australia will be complicit. Lisa, before we begin, I just want to, we're going to go through this, but I want to emphasise, because we always run out of time, we can win this fight on the cash ban. That's the, the issue of the moment. Parliament comes back next week and I'll be up there, well, on the 9th of September, I mean, I'll be up there, um, but we're making lots of progress. But people have to understand that when you have a chance to win, you don't back off, you go really, really hard and, and think about the resources we've got. So I just want to make two points. This is one of the resources, right? We do a weekly magazine that explains in detail what we talk about on the show, the Australian Alert Service. If you haven't got a copy before, feel free to call in and get a, a free copy. Um, and this is something worth getting regularly uh, and showing people. Look on our website, we post up articles there about it, etc. This is where you can get, really get into the meat and potatoes of this stuff. The second thing is YouTube has become a real resource. So some of the people watching this are on, watching on Channel 31 in the southern states. But this show is also on YouTube. If you want to get it more timely, get on YouTube and subscribe. But encourage other people to subscribe as well. And also, what I want to encourage people to do, apparently I've, I've just been informed this, so people might you know, already know this. YouTube has an algorithm. And the shows that get promoted are the ones that get the most comments and the most likes. So like or dislike the show. It doesn't matter. As long as there's, if you dislike it, dislike it. If you like it, like it. But also make a comment one way or the other. Feel free to make a comment, give us feedback, etc. The more we do that, the more YouTube automatically promotes it, and people need to see these shows right now, right? Because mm. the more people we can draw into this fight, the more we have a chance of winning. Mm. That's crucial. So that being said, we'll get back into the details and today's update on the campaign. Stopping cash ban is a fight to save Australia from global wealth grab. And we're going to go through a bit later in the show how facing a new global financial crisis of a much greater scale than the global financial crash of 2008, yep. the bankers globally, that what we call in the, this week's Australian Alert Service, the global banking mafia, have plans for the greatest heist of all time, much bigger than the bailout they planned. And because some of those mechanisms no longer work, they've got all kinds of new fangdangled ways of stealing our wealth, whether it be our private wealth or that of the nation. Yep. Um, so we'll get into the details of that shortly. But firstly, on the cash ban, because the cash ban is part of that. They're yeah. trying to lock people into the banking system so that if you see a crash or you have warnings of a crash coming up, you can't pull all your money out fast. You'd yeah. have to do it in smaller increments. Um, so that is crucial that we defeat that and could have global ramifications, uh, as it did with certain key um, uh, victories that we had in the fight against bail-in, which delayed it significantly on a global scale. Well, another example is, we, as we report in this week's alert, the UK Labor Party has just announced uh, that they intend to hold an inquiry into the British banks, and that is explicitly drawing from the Australian experience of our inquiry, which they know didn't end up very well. It wasn't perfect, but um, they're learning from that, and so they're going to have a much stronger terms of reference mm. 
But that's that's something. A victory in Australia has influenced yeah. the policy in the UK. Yeah. And if, in turn, if they get to dig into the crimes of the city of London banks, that'll have global ramifications. Right. Yeah. So this is what happens when we do these fights. Yeah. And British banks one year ago were watching the Royal Commission saying, "Oh, if this leads to something like Glass-Steagall bank separation, um, this could really set off." Yeah. a push for that worldwide. It could capture the imagination of people across the world. Um, so last week we reported on the show that there'd been a breakout in media coverage finally on the cash ban in some quarters at least. And we've got more to report this week. Firstly was a second article that came out from the ABC by Nassim Kadem, the same author who covered it previously. Headline, banning cash so you pay the bank to hold your money is what the IMF wants. This was important coverage because uh, what she reported is that as the federal government moves to ban cash transactions above $10,000, there's a theory gaining traction that the real motive for the cash ban isn't the so-called black economy, but rather to give authorities greater control over your behaviour during recessions. This theory, put forward by economists such as John Adams and picked up by some federal politicians, has not been plucked out of thin air. It is based on repeated public papers and statements by the international body in charge of financial stability, the Washington-based International Monetary Fund. And it goes on to cite various IMF blogs and IMF reports which explicitly demand restrictions on cash to make cash unpalatable in the extreme in order to make negative interest rates and other bailout mechanisms work. And this, this was a really good article. And when they put it on Facebook, the Facebook comments on the article were huge, much bigger for the ABC than most things they post on Facebook. Got a lot of attention. Yeah, and the other coverage this week, which was crucial, was uh, you got on the Alan Jones show yesterday. Yeah, we got tipped off that Alan Jones was interviewing Michael Sucker. So now, we don't get Alan Jones on 2GB down here, but it's the biggest radio program in Australia by far. So I found the number and called up, and they put me through. And, well, two, well first of all, in the in Sucker interview, I want to play this first, he's interviewing Michael Sucker. And Sucker makes this declaration that this cash ban is not even about tax evasion, it's about smashing criminal gangs. And I want you to hear him say that and then listen to the policeman, the experienced policeman who calls in mm. to dispute what he's saying. Well, can I, can I just first say that it might be counterintuitive coming from the Assistant Treasurer, but what motivates this particular change, the $10,000 cash limit, is less about tax collection and more about Smashing criminal gangs. Crime, I mean, right. that's what it's more about. But nonetheless, tax collection is important. Very important. We'll pay more. Well, well, as I said, the latest ADO data is 90% of small businesses mm -hmm. absolutely comply with the law. There's a small proportion of non-compliance that is related to the complexity of the tax system. So that's honest mistakes, mm -hmm. um, which are a separate category altogether. Right. About 6.5% of small businesses... Uh, have unscrupulous individuals that are avoiding tax. You've got your headphones on there. Hang on there, Michael. Richard's just run through. Richard, good morning. Uh, the Assistant Treasurer is here, Michael Sucker. Uh, good, good morning, Alan. Good morning, Minister. Look, my background is 32 years in federal law enforcement. This is the worst policy decision direction you could take. Three reasons, very quickly. You're going to... You've already said 96% of small business actually complies. 6% doesn't. The rest is organised crime. You've got $36 billion worth of organised crime. What you, need, what you need to do is have a RICO Act like in the United States, Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organisation Act. It came in in 1970. Sure. And when, and 
1970 came in, within 20 years it wiped out the mafia, wiped out organised crime, and you they put together asset seizures linked to it. Sure. Now, this country does not want to do it. The Costigan Royal Commission wanted it. The late Ethel Moffat wanted it. And, and Evan Winton, in his book, Our Corrupt Legal System, wanted it. The Barry O'Farrell government was given the advice by Mike Gallagher, Mick Young of the Labor government. Was to, they was knocked over. The reason people don't want it, the backers of the Liberal Party, the backers of the Labor Party, they know what happened here in New South Wales. People would get caught. But you will pick up organised crime and you will take their assets. Minister, don't do this to our country. Okay. Now, if you watch the whole interview with Sucker and Ellen Jones, Ellen Jones seemed a bit persuaded. So I called in half an hour later and they put me through. And he, you can hear him, he lets me say my whole piece. And he even starts agreeing with me on the question of multinational tax evasion. Hey, Rob, hello. Hello, Alan. Yeah. Um, I've launched a change.org petition against this cash ban. Yeah. Because we're not buying the reasons for it. Um, first of all, criminals won't care if cash is restricted. They're criminals. They're going to do what they want to do anyway. Yeah. The, the, the government should be going after them. The black economy excuse we think is rubbish because the vast majority of tax evasion and money laundering isn't done by individuals. It's done by big banks and big multinational corporations. Mm-hmm. And if you, want, if you want a ridiculous example of this that relates to this cash ban that they're proposing, the biggest money laundering scandals of the last decade were two British banks, HSBC and Standard Chartered, caught out by the American authorities in 2012. Their auditor was KPMG, yep. run by the guy who has recommended this cash ban. Hmm. The Australian man who recommended this cash ban was the auditor of the biggest banks who laundered money in the last decade. Yep. So don't go after individuals. They're going to criminalise law-abiding citizens who just want two things. They want privacy and they just want the right to not have to use a bank sometimes. They want, sometimes you, want, you don't want to pay bank charges. If, if you re- restrict cash... You, everyone's going to be exposed to more and more bank charges. And, and check out, I use a banking app. I'm not, I'm not afraid of the banks, but check out how much information the banks have on all your personal finances now anyway. Mm-hmm. It's actually, by old standards, Alan, it's quite scary. And the most important thing, our concern, is this traps people in banks when policies come out that we're very concerned about, like negative interest rates that everyone's talking about now, and the Reserve Bank, the IMF has said we need to have negative interest rates and we need to restrict cash so they work. The Reserve Bank governor of New Zealand said this a couple of weeks ago, we need, we'll probably go to negative interest rates and we'll need to restrict cash. Our Reserve Bank governor said we'll look like we'll have to go to negative, you know, we're prepared to go to negative interest rates. Um, and the other one is bail-in, which is being applied around the world where when banks get into trouble, that they can take some of their depositors' money to prop them up. If depositors know about that, they'll want to get out of the bank. Well, this kind of thing restricts it and traps people in banks. So my organisation is the CEC. We've launched a change.org petition. It's got over 10,000 signatures in the last week. People, you know, older people who remember what privacy was like, Alan, because unfortunately nowadays a lot of young people, they're just Mm -hmm. not used to it, Mm -hmm. right? Older people who remember what privacy was like should, should... Tell the young people what it, that they should care about their privacy and not let the government do this. If you want to go after money laundering, go after money launderers. Don't mm. go after law-abiding yep. citizens okay. that take well, away their rights. I take, I take everything you say, and there's tremendous merit in this, and I'll just pull some figures together. I'll say something about this tomorrow. 
I mean, many of the points that you make are, are, are more than valid. So this is excellent exposure, Elisa. And now, one of the things, as a lot of CEC supporters will know, we've told everyone, we put out marching orders this week, contact members of parliament, especially the Labor Party. And we know people are doing that. Politicians are climbing the walls with the number of calls they're getting. Their phones are melting down. We're getting lots of feedback directly from politicians about how nervous they are. And apparently there's all kinds of potential here to even get the Nationals to take a different view on this than the Liberal Party, etc. So one of the things we want to do for this week coming is especially target the National Party. Keep calling. Everyone should call the Member of Parliament. Everyone should call Anthony Albanese. Everyone should call your Senators of all parties. But if you only make a few calls, target National Party MPs especially. A lot of people in the bush still use lots of cash completely legitimately. These are outrageous you know, excuses that they make um, that, you know, technology is replacing all that. No, it's not. It's all, it's what I said in the show. But we can, we can get these people to start fighting internally in the major parties with each other so that they realise that, um, you know, the, they reflect to each other the, the rage out there in the public. And if we, if we achieve that, we can actually get this bill stopped. And don't forget to promote the change.org petition. You can find the details on our website or on the info box. That's nearly YouTube. at 12,000 signers now. Mm. And we're taking a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about the global uh, repercussions of this. Welcome back to the CEC report where we're discussing how the cash ban is part of a massive global cash grab or wealth grab which the global financial banking elite are preparing in order to save their global financial system which is a multi-quadrillion dollar speculative mess. And uh, we're calling them banking mafia because they're a gang of criminals. Mm. Now on last week's show we reported on a proposal that was made in advance of the federal uh, sorry, central bankers gathering at Jackson Hole last weekend coming from the world's largest global equity manager, BlackRock. And what they proposed was monetary regime change, which essentially meant giving uh, powers to central banks to control fiscal policy, in other words, the budgets of governments and what they should spend it on, in addition to controlling monetary policy and they're claiming this is essential to you know, keep financial stability as they is their justification for everything. Well, since then, you might have heard that Mark Carney, the head of the Bank of England at Jackson Hole, proposed a global world currency, uh, but a digital one, and in fact, uh, basing it on the model of the proposed Facebook digital currency, the Libra. And this is essentially to bypass the US dollar because they're not ha happy with some of the things that Trump is doing, which is uh, keeping a relatively high value of the US dollar and creating what they call a dollar liquidity trap, which is apparently making it rather difficult for them to engineer their negative interest rates and quantitative easing programs that they would like to use um, to extreme lengths uh, to prop up this global bubble. Now, Jerome Powell, the head of the US Federal Reserve at Jackson Hole, announced that the Fed is conducting a review of the tools used by US Fed policy, including expanding, looking at expanding their toolkit. And now we can report that central bankers are taking it even a step further, uh, because as Trump is pushing for uh, lower rates and so forth, the uh, former head of the New York Federal Reserve and vice chairman of the Federal Open Market Committee, William Dudley, is now urging Fed officials to take action against Trump and try to cut short his political career. 
So he's urged Fed officials to declare that they would not, quote, bail out an administration that keeps making bad choices on trade policy, making it abundantly clear that Trump will own the consequences of his actions. And what they're saying, Elisa, I mean, because you're... You've got to set aside the fact that anyone can criticise Trump, and I criticise Trump for the, for the trade war as well. That's not the point. They're saying, we are the Federal Reserve, we're the central banks, and they're unelected, right? We will use our power, which is ult the ultimate power, it's, it is the money power. They have the money power, supposedly independently. We will use the money power to decide who's going to be the government. And it's not, that is, this is the pinnacle of fascism. Right, what we call fascism, which is you know where the powers of the state are in the hands of an of, a, of an unelected corporate minority, um, that's what they're saying here. Mm. Right, this is this is a banker's dictatorship to the extreme. Forget the whether you agree or disagree with the specific, that power can, sh cannot and must not be used in that way. It has to be under democratic control. Yeah, and he says that there's an argument that the election itself falls within the Fed's purview. After all, Trump's re-election arguably presents a threat to the US and global economy, to the Fed's independence, because he's trying to tell them what yeah. to do with their rates, and its ability to achieve its employment and inflation objectives. If the goal of monetary policy is to achieve the best long-term economic outcomes, then Fed officials should, should consider how their decisions will affect the political outcome in 2020. So they're going even a step beyond having control over financial, yep. uh, even fiscal and budget policy, but control of the political we're, we're decisions. We're going to use our money power to actively influence the, um, the, the outcomes of governments and elections. And, and I have to point this out. Whenever there is an attack on democracy and democracy it, it gets lost or, or, or stripped away and, and whittled down, etc., it's never people accept the when people accept these particular pretexts for doing that. They're always extreme ones, right? Mm. So Trump, there's a lot of, that's extreme about Trump. People think, oh yeah, because he's out of control. We need to have this sensible body to do it. But no, the bigger picture is you're losing democratic control over your system. And what are they, their excuse is financial stability. You know, we mm. are responsible for financial stability. That's their same damn excuse to steal our money in a bailin. Oh, financial stability comes first. We're going to grab your money to prop up the bank, stuff your rights, your wealth, your your needs. Right? The banking system comes first because we are responsible for financial stability. Don't fall for it, see it what it is. And it's why we use terms like a banker's dictatorship. Mm -hmm. and, and why we have provocative headlines like on the front page of the alert this week, China's not our enemy, the IMF banking mafia is. We put this article on Facebook. I've got a stream of comments attacking China because no one read the article. It's not even about China. I did that to provoke people. It's about the banking mafia. And we're always being told China, 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 also Iran, Iran. Look at our own country's people, what we are becoming in the name of a financial banker's dictatorship. Mm -hmm. Far worse than anything that you think might be happening in other countries. So that's the internal or domestic regime change. And we'll be right back after this break to discuss regime change overseas. Yeah. Welcome back to the CEC Report. We're now discussing Iran plotters want another regime change bloodbath and Australia will be complicit. So we mentioned this briefly on last week's show in that Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, has signed Australia up along with uh, the United Kingdom, the United States and Bahrain to a new coalition of the willing called Operation Sentinel, which is this new Persian Gulf uh, maritime security alliance. We're going to protect freedom of navigation in the Persian Gulf. Mm. So we're from the opposite sides of the world going to send in our 
spies and our ships and our military. Using Bahrain as a fig leaf. To, to monitor uh, what's going on. And, um, monitor? Know, well, <laughs> well beyond monitor. They're calling it a de-escalation, dear. Yeah. And, I, and I, when I hear that, I'm thinking, she, the, the minister kept saying de-escalate, de-escalate, de-escalate. And I thought of the Princess Bride. You keep saying this word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> so, of course, um, Labor caved in again to support this, these regime change plans which have been in existence since the 1990s. Um, some years ago, US General Wesley Clark had admitted that yeah. after 9-11, there were plans for regime changes in seven countries in five years. So just literally us throwing our weight around the world and telling other nations who they could have uh, in power and what kind of model, um, you know, imposing democracy, as you've cited before, from um, such luminaries as the, um, the Henry Jackson Society saying that democracy can be dropped from 10,000 10, feet. That's the thing. The neocons have been always plotting this. And that's everything you've heard from the Australian government is a lie. This is a long-standing neocon agenda. And these people, they are, they're not, Iran's not the threat to the world. China's not the threat to the world. The people that have been bashing them up lately, they're the threat to the world. And they say, they have written things like, the guy who wrote it, Brendan Sims, democracy can be dropped from 10,000 feet. He wrote that in 2011 about Libya. Look what Libya's become ever since, right? And they turned that into a bloodbath. They're going to turn Iran into a bloodbath. And they feel completely 100% justified doing it. And, and Andrew Hastie, they're his buddies, oh. right? And, and now we're going to you know, just follow them blindly into another bloodbath in Iran. And it's a completely engineered phenomenon because as we wrote, uh, revised in our latest press release, until the British sent in the special boat forces, yeah. there hadn't been any incidents at all, even though um, the Americans were claiming that there was... A well, that's the th think about the timeline. Last year, Trump withdrew from the nuclear agreement, right, for their own reasons. Um, Suddenly, in May of this year, Bolton, who's a war criminal and should be in jail, Bolton announced without any details there's an, there's an enhanced threat in the Gulf mm. from Iran. The British general on the spot said, no, there's not. Yeah. What are you talking about? He gets overruled. The British government then agree, and then they send in the special boat service. Suddenly, and we warn, hey, watch out for incidents in the Gulf. Mm. Suddenly, there's incidents in the Gulf, right? And they blame it on Iran. So there was those two ships that got holes blown in the side. It was blamed on Iran without evidence. Yeah. Then you had British Marines seizing this Iranian tanker that was supposedly taking oil to Syria. And that was the key thing. Iran has done some stuff since then, but the British did it first, mm. right? They did an act of piracy in Gibraltar, um, and Iran said, well, what do you think you're doing? That's mm. our ship. Bugger off, right? We're not biding by any of your sanctions, etc. We don't respect anything you do, and neither should they. And so then um, the British set up these incidents back yeah. in the Gulf. They, they, they sent these. There was two cases where a British oil tanker backed by a British naval frigate. The oil tanker was sailing without its transponder on in a dangerous way in the waters. And for half of those waters, Iran is responsible for the security. Mm. And, it and it intercepted, tried to intercept the first one. The naval frigate um, scared it off. And then it intercepted the second one. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, there is an element of tit-for-tat for, for the, the, the Iranian ship in the Mediterranean. But Britain started that, right? And now these are the incidents that are the excuse for, oh, see, there's freedom, you know, we have to, we, Australia, have to go over there and protect freedom of, of navigation. Mm. And I wanted to point out to people, look, we've been hearing this freedom of navigation all the time about the South China Sea as well. When are we going to get it through our head? It's the South China Sea. This is the Gulf. It, it's Iran that uses the Gulf for shipping, 
Yeah. Of course they want freedom of they navigation. Don't want it China uses the South China Sea for shipping. They're not a threat to their own shipping and freedom of navigation. We are over there as the threat. We're over there now, in, we're over in the South, uh, our allies in the South China Sea and we're in the Persian Gulf as the threat now. And this is, could end very, very badly. Yep. So don't forget to call your Member of Parliament. First and foremost on the cash ban, you can raise these yep. other issues if you like. Call us if you need more information or help. Thanks for tuning in and join us again next week. Thank you.